This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, that time of the week, time for Thursday Coast with the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, the host of the podcast, The Brief, and uh, also the founder of Civics with a Q. Marcos joins us. Hey, buddy, how are you? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm just fine. We talked about this. I mentioned the online progressive community. What's going on? You've been having an a little trouble the past couple of days. Huh? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the first half of this week has been a little rough. We, uh, we, um, I don't think we've been down for 36 hours like this, maybe ever. Um, but what happened, they like us has been down, was down for about 36 hours. It was, uh, it felt like 2000 hours to be honest. And, uh, you know, the whole, like almost all, like half the web is is hosted by Amazon Web Services, AWS, and they had an outage. And so on Tuesday, Reddit was down for most of the day. I know Disney Plus had issues. It was like everybody was having all these issues, and we were in that batch of people. We were affected. What happened, so then Amazon came back up. Everybody else came back up, and we did not because there was some weird bug or corruption in our code that meant that in that time when Amazon was having server issues, people created stories and because the site would go up and down, up and down. Right. And so some stories snuck in, but those stories that snuck in were corrupted. And so once the site would come back up, somebody would try to update one of those corrupted stories and everything would come crashing back down. And so it kept doing this, you know, for almost a whole day. And uh, it took a while for for my team to figure out what was going on and uh, figure out that it was related to Amazon and then having Amazon, you know, lend their hand and offer suggestions on how we had to rebuild our databases. And and so, um, you know, sites back up and knock on wood, everything seems to be back to normal. And. Uh, by all indications, this bug would have emerged at some point or another. So maybe, I mean, 
<laughs> maybe there's a silver lining in there. I'm trying too hard. It probably isn't, but but um, it, it it's all I gotta say is I'm glad that Trump was not indicted, that nobody important died, that uh, Ukraine didn't win the war. Like nothing <laughs> major happened. Just a typical Republican nonsense. And uh, and yeah, we 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 for a day and a half we couldn't report on on them blaming Silicon Valley banks collapse on woke culture right. or whatever nonsense they're at, you know, they're doing today. But, but, um, it's, um, um, it's, it's, you know, when you run a site, like it, this is, this is kind of a, a worst nightmare. And, and I'm all, the only silver lining is that it didn't happen on election day or a day Trump was indicted or anything really important. Well, so, so follow up to that is, and this is why you have friends like me and, also being an acolyte of Dick Gregory. Are we sure that what you described is what happened? Nobody was messing with y'all. No, nah, it was nothing you like that. that. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right. uh, no, it would actually be a better story. <laughs> yeah, Putin took us down. That would be a good story. Uh, no, nothing nothing dramatic. It's, it's, it's uh, the mundane world of, of, uh, of uh, code. Um, but yeah, no, it's nothing like that. Okay. But but that's cool. But again, you understand, you need you still need friends like that for you, just so you can say <laughs> that. You need people just to ask those questions just to verify. Trust but verify. Uh, <laughs> um, but but uh, that's that's good. And and hopefully these are the kind of things that help people to appreciate even more what Daily Coast does every day. You know, sometimes we think take things for granted, you all. And when we miss them, was when we really realized, wait a minute now, we need this. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm glad everything's back up to it. And I'm learning something. I didn't know Amazon Web Services has that kind of impact or control over. You said half the it, internet. It might even be like two thirds. It is absolutely dominant. Microsoft is starting to to pick up some market share. Um, but yeah, Amazon before Amazon. A site like me would literally own physical servers or we would rent out physical servers at a data center to host our sites. And it was incredibly inefficient. And Amazon came in and basically what they did is they created these virtual servers, right? So you only use as much uh, server capacity as you need. So you could spin up during like an election night. You could spin down on the evenings when there's not much happening. So you're really only paying for what you're using as opposed to having, you know, trying to, you know, have as many boxes as possible for the couple days every so often that you would have massive traffic, which what for us was election night. And we'd always, always have trouble staying up on election night just because the traffic was so outsized different than the rest of the year. So it was a great innovation. Uh, cloud computing. I mean, everybody, everything's in the cloud now, but that was that was a, an Amazon innovation. And, uh, and they've had a dominant market position because of uh, they were first movers. They basically invented this in space. Like I said, Microsoft is starting to come in. They're starting to undercut them on price and, and services and support. And so things like this where, where um you know, it takes down, you know, daily because daily because it's small beans for Amazon. But, you know, if, if Disney Plus is going down, if Reddit's going down, if the big players are going down, it becomes a little tougher. And then I'm sure Microsoft's salespeople are already <laughs> ringing up some people, seeing if they can use this to, to steal some business from, you know, 
some of the the big um, outfits. But um, so all in all, it's actually it's it's been better for us. So I don't I don't. But it just it just shows how I mean any, anytime you have any kind of monopoly dominant position like that, you know, it's not really great for anybody. So. Uh, so. Well, glad glad you're back, um, and and whatnot. So, uh, in the midst of all this this week, of course, it looks like the Trump DeSantis conflict is heating up. Is is DeSantis has he hurt himself by suggesting Ukraine should not be a priority? I mean, it depends on what you mean by hurting himself. Clearly, he's he's trying to compete for the Trump base. And the Trump base has convinced is convinced that I mean they they idolize Putin. I mean they they love their strong men who who are you know uh, anti gay trans people who put journalists in jail. I mean Putin's everything that Trump and his followers want, and that's what DeSantis is emulating. That's why you know Florida's become such a bastion of fascism right now. Is is DeSantis is making a play for that Trump base. And it's, I'm actually kind of fascinated if, will it hurt? <clears throat> Broadly speaking, I actually think it does. I don't think that's a, that's a great general election play. I actually think it alienates a lot of Republicans and Chris Christie just, um, I saw yesterday he went after DeSantis and called him a, a, a Chamberlain, Neville Chamberlain uh, for appeasing Hitler, like he said, this is the same same thing. So I know the Republicans are at each other's throats over this, and that's that's great for us, of course. Now, historically, the Republican Party's been split into three factions. They've had their their Christian right, Christian coalition faction, which has been represented by people like Huckabee and Ted Cruz. They've had their Rockefeller Republican traditional establishment just give us lower taxes, business people in the Wall Street faction. And then they've had the populist wing, which was, you know, we saw them with the Tea Party and <clears throat> are now the MAGA people. Now, what, what Trump did, which was interesting, is when he ran, he, he won on the back of the Tea Party crowd. So, you know, rebranded as MAGA. He did not have the Christian coalition types. In fact, they did not like him and voted against him. They, they, they were Ted Cruz all the way uh, because of all the reasons you would imagine, right? Just Donald Trump is a ethical, moral cesspool of toxicity and, in you know, just hideousness. So, um, and the Rockefeller Republican small tax wing, it's almost, it's almost extinct. And a lot of them have actually become independents or even Democrats at this point. So the uh, what Trump did, though, after he won and after he delivered on the Supreme Court is he actually won over that Christian coalition type. So it's not kind of interesting to see what openings there are. Is there still different factions in that Republican Party? Do they even exist or is it just one big MAGA blob? And so DeSantis, I think, has decided that it's just one big MAGA blob and he has to buy for the same voters as Donald Trump. You have somebody like Nikki Haley, who's more broadly trying, you know, she spoke in favor of Ukraine. She's more broadly speaking, I think, to more moderate Republicans. She's going to get 2%. Like, it's, she's, she's a non-factor. And, uh, and I, I don't know who else really is, is going to have juice. I mean, we, we just had 
the uh, former governor of Maryland, Hogan, say he's not running for president. He would have ran to try to appeal to like that moderate Wall Street wing of the Republican Party. Doesn't again. I mean, he knows it doesn't really exist. I mean, they might be 10, 15 percent at this point. So will it hurt him in the primary? No. In a general election? Probably. That's my that's my feeling right now. But we still don't really think that he. At least I don't yet think he has a real shot. At, at winning the primary. I, I, I think he does. I mean, clearly, yeah. I, for sure he's the underdog. You know, we don't even know. <clears throat> we're even assuming that Donald Trump isn't indicted and, and forced to withdraw, you know, just because of legal issues. So that could actually change the entire situation right there. But even if Donald Trump stays in, there are real concerns amongst Republicans about Donald Trump's electability. I mean, more and more people are realizing that he cost him three elections in a row, including this, which should have been a cakewalk of a midterm, you know, wave election. And, uh, and they lost that. So there's, there's growing, growing impatience in, in, in a Republican party for Trump. Now, what's, what's interesting is that DeSantis is such a piece of crap himself that there's not a lot of love for him either. Usually, usually if you're running for president and you're, you know, you're a high profile political figure, you're out there raising money, you're helping other people win elections, you're doing the stuff you do to like to collect favors. And DeSantis hasn't done any of that. He, he, all those Republican governors out there, they don't like DeSantis, they don't like Trump. And so you, and there's really nobody else with any kind of stature to, to really make a play for it. So um, that maybe evens the field a little bit, but if enough of the Republican establishment and even even some of the MAGA people, if they decide that DeSantis is the more electable uh, force uh, candidate, then I think there's a there's a real chance that DeSantis may be able to sweep through. Now, Mark, you've seen him talk. You see, like he he wears two inch heels to to seem taller. Uh, he literally wears wears high heels. He uh, his voice is thin. He has weak presence. I mean, he's not he. I think on paper, he looks a lot better once he's on a stage. And particularly if he's on stage against Trump, I think it's not going to be a great um, comparison. He's just, he just, he exudes, I don't know, punchability. Like he's want to punch him in the face uh, and, and not in a, you know, Trump, like, okay, Trump is, he, you know, Trump won, you know, for all, for all, you know, um, everything you can say about Trump, Trump actually won the White House and commands this massive following. That's something that DeSantis does not right now do. DeSantis is all promise and and uh, aspiration, is what I'll say. But people are reading about his horrible fascist policies and they like him. I think once they see him on stage, a lot of that veneer will, will fall off. And I think we've seen that before. We saw that with Jeb Bush a few cycles ago we saw that was fred thompson senator from tennessee a few cycles ago you know he was a he was he's an actor he was on law and order or some some show uh he'll and once he was on the stage it was it was you know he, he fell apart completely and I, I i suspect that's my theory is that DeSantis will follow that same fate but there's a real chance that if people decide that trump just cannot win and he's going to drag down the party's chances and you know somebody like mcconnell does not want trump anywhere near right the, uh, yeah the White House, that there's going to be enough of a counter um, backlash against within within the Republican Party itself. And that could give an opening for DeSantis. So I'm not saying DeSantis, you know, is, is a favorite by any means, but there's definitely a path for him to to get the nomination.
Well, but for that matter, who else is there? Nikki's Nikki's not going to do it. No, no, um, no. There's nobody else that's going. Like you mentioned, um, Hogan has decided not to run, so it looks like it's going to be um, Trump DeSantis. And I agree with you. I, I think under the best of circumstances, I don't see DeSantis winning anybody's nomination um, unless there's just nobody else. And then I don't think he stands a chance in in the general, you know, Joe Biden at his worst, I think runs rings around him in, in terms of even articulation of policy. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know, but, but then Trump says, what does he say the other day that he'll end the, I'll end the war immediately. You know, the, the war will just be over. He'll, he'll just, then how's he going to do that? What, what is he talking about? Oh no. What he means, he's going to give Putin what he wants. Well, yeah. he, he, would, he would he would cut support for Ukraine and basically, you know, and basically, I don't know, maybe he starts sending arms to Russia, knowing knowing Trump. So now the thing about DeSantis, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say any Republicans easy to beat just because we saw that with Trump. Right. I don't ever want to make that mistake again. But when you look at DeSantis's actions, the, the book burning, the shipping uh, undocumented immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, the fascist, we're going to get rid of all liberals on campus stuff, his attacks on the don't say gay stuff. All of this stuff may play for the MAGA base in the presidential primary. All of it is wildly unpopular with the broader electorate. It's not even close. The abortion stuff, not even close. And there is already, we've talked about this before, there's a ready college-educated suburban white women are already trending away from the Republican Party. I think we've now had three cycles in a row that they voted Democratic, um, mostly. The, the one hiccup was the Virginia governor's race. So I'm not going to sit there and say they're on our side, right? I still think it's a process. But I think DeSantis continues that process. Uh, the um, Youngkin in Virginia lied. He said he was a moderate. He, he, he played this game and people fell for it. But DeSantis isn't playing no game. He's not pretending to be anything than, than what he is. Uh, but now we're also seeing hints and nothing definitive, nothing that I would put my money on. But we're seeing hints that college-educated suburban white men are starting to get antsy about the conspiracy theory stuff. You know, they, 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 you know, they, they may be all, um, you know, toxic masculinity and, and, you know, play that game. But a lot of these conspiracy theories and even the abortion stuff seems to not be playing very well with that crowd. So they're, they're again, I'm not going to ever underestimate a Republican in a presidential election ever again. But DeSantis really is running on an incredibly unpopular platform and i don't see how he backs away from that in the general election so republicans are are trying to one-up themselves by republicans i'm talking about desantis and and trump and then you have the cheer you know the cheerleading section so you have the lauren boberts and the marjorie taylor greens and the they're sitting there cheering that on and, and pushing them ever 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 further into conspiracy land and it really is a it, it's it's a rare moment where us liberals can just sit back, you know, with a bag of popcorn and kind of enjoy the show. Because even DeSantis on on Ukraine already, like I said, you already have um, Chris Christie attacking him and Nikki Haley attacking him and and 
Mitch McConnell, like, you know, Mitch McConnell has been defending Joe Biden recently, you know, in several cases on, on the debt limit, on cutting Social Security and on Ukraine. And, and he's not even hiding it. He's not even trying to be nice. No, like Joe Biden's right. <laughs> you know? So they're they're in a moment of, of it's clear they're they're in the Civil War moment. And there's not much we can do to really influence that. So we can just sit back and enjoy it because it doesn't seem no matter what the outcome, I, I, like we win. It's it's a very odd situation and I'm not used to it, but it, it, it's literally we're in a win-win situation watching them tear each other apart. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, also, you alluded to the bank issue and they were the Republicans were saying this was about woke banking and all of that. Uh, but also you acknowledged that there are those the Wall Street types that are trying to make the case for a bailout. Yeah, it's it's um, for sure. <laughs> for sure, there there's there's. um a lot in the VC community, particularly people that have money in some of these companies, they they their their sort of line was Silicon Valley Bank screwed up, let them go under. Who cares about the shareholders? Who cares about the executives? But the depositors should get their money. That's already happening. That's what the FDIC insurance is. And even though the FDIC insurance is two hundred fifty thousand dollars, FDIC is going to cover all the deposits. And it's going to pay for it with a with a tax on banks themselves. And the banks are happy to pay it because they don't want people doing runs on their banks. It's their insurance to keep the contagion from spreading to other banks. As long as the banks pay for their own messes and clean up their own messes, I don't care. It's when you know we, the taxpayers, are required to do it. So there, there is no bailout outside of what the law already provides. It's definitely not being paid for by, by taxpayers. It's being paid by Wall Street. And as long as that's happening, that's, that's, that's fine with me. And all those Wall Street types that were screaming for a bailout, you know, just F them because they're the same people that, that talked about how, oh, we, we, can't be, we can't be forgiving student loans. Like literally, like every single one of them, people went back and looked at their old tweets and all of them were against forgiving student loans because of, Oh, it'll be inflationary pressure or, oh, because, you know, they signed, this is what they promised to pay and, oh, it's fairness. And so we all know that, that um, libertarianism is and conservatism is all about privatizing profits and socializing losses. And at least now they're called out. And I got to say both sides 
like point at their fingers at them. Liberal, you know, liberal Democrats, conservative Republicans said like, no, it's not happening again. I think the banks know. And this is why them taking care of their own mess is the right answer. And it's what they're doing. I think they realize there's not a lot of appetite for an actual public bailout. You mentioned uh, suburban college educated white women, suburban college educated white men coming over. Obviously, one of the big issues um, is still abortion. That's not going to go away. Um, Ohio has gotten the clear. Well, in other words, activists have been clear to collect signatures and put it on the ballot in Ohio. That would make if a victory there would make it the seventh state um, for it to be made constitutional based upon ballot initiatives. Kentucky made it legal by ballot. And if Kentucky does, Ohio's not even going to be close. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're not even talking Kansas. We're talking Kentucky. Right, right. And so that's clearly what this move is going to take. And and that's not an issue that's going to go away. I mean, I, I think that the Republicans are naive to think that that's just going to leave the headlines and not go for women and abortion rights allies are activated. Yeah. And, and I just want to be very clear, even though states are some of the states are legalizing it, whether it's legislatures, whether it's ballot initiative, um, the original Republican talking point was let leave abortion up to the states. That has changed. Nobody, nobody on that, that quote pro-life side is talking about let the states decide because now they are seeing what happens when the states decide. If people have a say in it, they lose. So now it's about making it federal bans and they're trying to go to the courts to trying to, to trying to pass a ban on the, the morning after birth control pill. They're doing everything possible to federalize it. So this issue isn't going away. If you're California, if you're New York, you're Kentucky, or if you're Kansas, the issue is not resolved as long as Republicans are in power. It's got to get resolved. Lastly, we touched on Ukraine in terms in the context of DeSantis and Trump, but what a, what's your latest take on where things are? We're not getting, and that folks, again, that's why Daily Coast is important because that's some of the daily coverage we don't really even get on television news anymore, cable television news. Where where are things as you see them now? In the in Republican primary? No, in Ukraine. Oh, in Ukraine. Um, Ukraine, oh man, Ukraine's it's, it's a bloody, bloody, bloody mess right now. Um, pretty much the entire war right now is centered on a single city. The entire might of the Russian Empire, the second best army in the world, they used to think they were. Everything has come down to, they started off over a front that was about 3,000 kilometers, you know, five different avenues of attack. We're down to fighting over one city. And in that one city, we're talking thousands of people dying every day. It is an absolutely bloody quagmire. And so Russia has put everything into the city. They need a propaganda victory. There's no strategic value. The city's name is Bakhmut. And there's no strategic value to Bakhmut. doesn't really get Russia any closer to, to conquering Ukraine. Uh, on the other hand, Ukraine has decided that they're going to fight for this non-strategic piece of land because it is costing Russia so much in manpower and material to try to take. So the, their argument is, yeah, we may be losing hundreds of, of men a day in Bakhmut, but they're losing a thousand a day. You know, the, the, the differential is four to one, five to one, six to one. There's a lot of internal debate right now, particularly in Ukraine, about whether that those numbers are still true. 
and whether that cost is still valuable. Because what's really what, what's happening is you got this flood of Western armor coming in, but it's it's going to be coming in uh, May June, actually March. It's it's I realized we're already in March, so March May you know March April May June, and so you have Ukrainian troops training on that Western equipment in Germany, in Poland, and uh, France and Spain. So the idea being. If you siphon and if you focus Russia's attacks on a single city of Bakhmut, it buys Ukraine time to train its assault forces for a future late spring, early summer offensive. So that's that's the theory. Um, the cost, however, is is absolutely brutal. And so there's a lot of questions whether it would just make sense for Ukraine to withdraw to the next defensive lines, because really taking Bakhmut means nothing other than like a, you know, two day propaganda victory lap in, in Moscow and who cares. Uh, but that's the situation right now. It's, it's just not a lot of territories moving, uh, but they are, they are absolutely massacring each other as Ukraine tries to buy time for this spring summer uh, offensive that everybody's expecting will happen with, with all this new, all this new um, Western armor that, that is currently en route to Ukraine. And 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 we hope that that will ultimately make a difference, right? I mean, is uh, it it's. I, I mean, I fully expect it to. The Russia's already talking about having to do yet another mobilization. You know, they started the war with about two hundred thousand soldiers. Right. They burned through that. Then they're Then they mobilized three hundred thousand. They threw them into Ukraine with uh, little training. The current estimates are that between that Russia has lost about one hundred fifty to two hundred thousand men killed plus you know a bunch more wounded and so they, they're already talking about having to do another 300,000 to 400,000 men mobilization problem is that that Putin admitted a couple of days ago that they cannot mobilize their manufacturing sector to build more weapons because they're running out of weapons because there aren't enough uh, workers you you know you had you had about six seven hundred thousand leave Russia after the, you know, when the first mobilization was announced, they fled Russia. They did not want to be mobilized. You have another couple hundred thousand that have been killed in Ukraine. You have another couple hundred thousand that have been maimed and are not going to be working any factory line. And then you even have a, you know, a, a uh, suspected couple million that have died of COVID because that was a thing that has happened. So they don't have the manpower to man their factories. I'm not sure they can really mobilize another three, four hundred thousand and not exasperate, exacerbate that impact on their economy. So Russia is in a lot of trouble. And I'm not going to say Ukraine isn't. Ukraine's a much smaller country and they're suffering horrific losses as well. But at least Ukraine has Western partners that are feeding it ammunition, feeding it uh, weapon systems and uh, are providing budgetary support. Right now, Russia doesn't have any of that. It's, it's running a massive budget deficit the cost of oil and gas has plummeted globally which also impacts its uh, revenues and again it has this demographic manpower situation that is only getting worse so it's an absolute mess of the situation for Putin and and um, I'm not I'm not sure what they think their way out is because right now they're just feeding thousands of men into this meat grinder at Bakhmut and uh, and yeah, they're making incremental gain. I'm not saying they're not, but it's one city. It's one little city. We're talking 10 square miles of, of gain over eight months of fighting and tens of thousands of dead. 
in this assault for a city that really doesn't mean much. So it's it's an absolute bizarre situation. Nobody really quite understands what Putin thinks he's doing and uh, or what he thinks the end game is other than more death and destruction. I encountered someone who was an uh, anti, comes out of Vietnam era, was an Vietnam anti-war activist, but considers himself a, a, a communist and a Putin supporter, even though I explained to him it's no longer communism, it's an oligarchy. But yeah. what I said to him is that what you were opposed to in Vietnam, correct me if I'm wrong, Marcos, is what Putin is doing now with the young man he's sending in to Ukraine. And I think we talked about that before. These are just, you know, everyday people, unprepared young people, and they're dying. Mm -hmm. I mean, is that, is, is that an accurate analogy? It, it is an accurate analogy. And in fact, there's a name for those people. They're called the tankies. And they're named after sympathizers, of, leftist sympathizers of the Soviet Union who excused away Soviet invasions of Prague and Budapest back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, those, you know, repressive um, assaults on freedom demanding protesters in, in, in what was then Czechoslovakia and in Hungary. And um, so they, they, they consider themselves anti-imperialist, but their whole notion, their whole worldview is that only America can be imperialist. Only Europe and America can, only the West can be imperialist. And it's, it's a very bizarre worldview because it obviously imperialism knows no boundaries, right? I mean, China trying to extend its boundaries, Russia trying to extend its boundaries, Iran trying to extend it. That's all different flavors of imperialism. And I don't understand how you can say American imperialism in Iraq and Afghanistan and in Vietnam is wrong, but somehow explain away that Russia is totally justified in trying to expand its influence into Ukraine, Georgia, Armenia, uh, Azerbaijan, and the rest of those rim, rim countries, former Soviet republics. That is the textbook definition of imperialism. But but the, the, the young people, there are a lot of young people use, losing their lives, right? A lot of young and now old because they've raised the, the conscription age to like 60. So they're sending, on, they're sending in seniors at this point. It's bad. Russia's in trouble. Unprepared to fight. Yeah, no training. Just throw them into uh, foxholes. They're basically human speed bumps. Or, um, or they send them in waves to... I don't know if you saw the movie uh, Enemy at the Gate. It's, it's, an old, it's about two snipers in, in Leningrad. The first scene, they send a mass, you know, the Soviets, you know, send a mass of, of, of untrained recruits to charge a German machine gun nest. And they only give a rifle to the first guy. And they say, when the first guy goes down, pick up the rifle and keep charging. And you think, oh, okay, that was, that was back then. And maybe Hollywood exaggerated it a little bit. It's literally what they're doing right now. It's literally, they're just sending men on, you know, looking until they die. And they, you know, you, you have recordings and videos of, of, of Russians saying this is that their commanders tell them that they're meat, that they're there to die. They're not even hiding it. They send them forward in numbers of six to eight men until they get gunned down. But when they get gunned down, Russia sees, oh, that's where the, the Ukrainian defensive position is. And then they try to send artillery on that position. They think they got it. They'll send the next wave. If the next wave gets gunned down, there's more artillery. And they keep doing this over and over and over again. So one of the real 
um, unintended consequences you're seeing is that for Ukrainian defenders, survivors, they got some serious PTSD because they're just literally mowing down wave after wave after wave of men. And eventually you can imagine how that's got to just weigh on your psyche. I mean, how do you deal with that? Just that it's a shooting gallery. It's not even, it's not even, you know, honorable combat. It's just, you're just gunning them down, gunning them down until an artillery shell lands in your position and you're wiped out. And it's, it's, it's tough. The, the so-called, the so-called meat also, we know something about these people. These are, these are not from the wealthy or the creme de la creme. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not St. Petersburg or Moscow. Yeah. These are from the hinterlands, the ethnic regions, either Muslim or, um, or Asian. And do we have any evidence that though any of those individuals have had the right or the option to be objectors, to be conscientious objectors? And are there, I'm sure there's some serious consequences for that if they are. Yeah, no, the, the, the wealthy left. Anybody that had resources left the country. So when you talk about six to 800,000 Russians who fled, they're the ones that had the money. They were mostly from Moscow and, and St. Petersburg. Everybody else, they don't have the resources. They can't just pick up and, and, and leave. And uh, there is a learned helplessness in Russia where the czar is treated like a king. So you see these incredibly bizarre videos filmed by, by these, these Russian conscripts pleading to Putin, saying, Putin, we were sent here to die. Save us. Because it's not Putin. In their mind, Putin's infallible. He couldn't be the one who actually sent them there to die. Some other low-level functionary made that mistake. And if only Putin knew, he would save them from their fate. And it is an absolutely ludicrous, nonsensical <laughs> worldview that I still blows my mind that it exists. I can't fathom it. And yet you see it time and time again. You see the wives doing the same thing. Putin, save our men. They've been sent to the, to the front for slaughter. Who do you think sent them there? <laughs> but no, it's... So it's an it's it's a weird country. So there's no sense of of rebellion, no sense of defiance, and people have written about this. You know, I was I've been reading histories where the the because um, back in in you know Stalin's time, they would send out the secret police to round up dissenters, and sometimes they weren't even dissenters. They were just a neighbor ratted somebody out because the neighbor didn't like them, so they reported them as being anti-revolutionaries. And they would, they would just go along without a fight, knowing what their fate was. They would just go along because that's just the way it is. And, and there's this really funny meme uh, that's probably my, famous, my favorite Russia meme, which it has, you know, famous, famous, uh, you know, just literary tradition of different, of different cultures, right? And for Americans, it's I will die for freedom. For the French, it's I will die for love. For the British, it's I will die for honor. And for the Russians, I will die. And that's really what Russia is ultimately all about. If you read their literature, it's all about just how dreary and miserable and how you got to drown yourself in vodka to survive. Wow. That's something. Folks, dailycoach.com, civicswithaq.com, the weekly podcast, The Brief. Check it out. Thanks as always, buddy. Mark, it's always a pleasure. Have a great week. 
and uh, talk to you soon. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.